Welcome to the Consulting Pipeline Podcast. My guest today was Robert Games. I'm going to share the conversation he and I had with you very shortly. I actually just got off the call with Robert, and I'm still feeling really excited because in our conversation, Robert really lays out step-by-step detail by detail, how he has implemented a market research process that I advocate, which is um, doing market research by actually talking to prospective buyers in the market. That's where I believe you get the, the highest fidelity picture of what problems they're dealing with, what they need solutions for. And that leads to when you notice a pattern after talking to multiple people in the same vertical and you, and you spot a pattern, that leads to formulating uh, some sort of value proposition hypothesis for them, some sort of idea about, well, uh, there's the problem. How could I solve that? And how could I solve that in a repeatable way? And these are some of the underpinnings of uh, a really value, valuable specialized expertise. When you see a problem that's consistent, it helps if it's uh, painful if it's important, if there's some urgency behind it, and you come up with a solution to it, uh, this really is developing self-made expertise. Your solution may be, it may not be you know totally proprietary, totally unique, but it comes from you having spotted a problem in the market that maybe nobody else has seen or maybe relatively few others have seen and are trying to solve. So it uh, creates uniqueness almost inherently creates uniqueness because there's few other people that have gone to the trouble of having these conversations and therefore noticing the problem that you've noticed. So what you're going to hear as you hear me uh, interview Robert is you're going to hear him describe this process in motion with two different verticals. The first one, um, the research worked and led him to a point where he wanted to look into a different vertical and he applied the same process to the second vertical, and the research worked again. And um, you hear him now move into talking about building a solution to that problem. So in, in a way, I would describe it as like a picture-perfect uh, case study of someone applying this research methodology to gain insight into a market. And Robert's very generous with answering all my, my specific questions about, you know, how did you do that? And how did you deal with that? And all these little specific implementation details that really make a big difference in doing this stuff. So here we go. My conversation with Robert Games. Hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Robert Games, welcome to the program. Hi, Philip. Uh, thank you very much for having me. It's I am so excited to talk to you. Some weeks ago, I emailed my list and was talking about a topic related to market research. You responded and described how you had have been doing some market research to support changing your, your specialization so that you can build a new market position for your business. Um, I looked at what you saw and was like, wow, this is great. <laughs> we have to uh, we have to talk about this. And you graciously agreed to come on the program. So thank you for that. That's what we're here to talk about today. Let's start with just a little bit of context. Um, Robert, what does your business look like today? Uh, like, who are you and what do you do today? 
Sure. Well, uh, as already uh, covered, my name is Robert Games. Um, I help domiciliary care agencies attract more care assistance uh, using digital marketing. I love how crisp that is. So it was not always the case <laughs> that that's how you describe what you do, right? No, no, not at all. Um, I've been on a long, long journey. Um, and to be honest, I'm still on this journey. Um, and every day is, uh, I suppose, an iteration, kind of improving on my knowledge um, and, and working on specializing. Um, to give you maybe a little background, um, I, I met you a few years ago. At the time, um, I specialized in the content management system called Expression Engine. Um, we discussed it and, and, and also some of the pitfalls of, of um, specializing the CMS or a, a platform specialization was over time that, that the boom period, I suppose, um, would go and that the bubble burst and slowly over time there was less and less work. Um, I, I decided to to move over to the, the next nearest competitor, CMS, which was Craft CMS, um, which, you know, there's a fantastic market at the moment, but I'm going to have the same problem with platform specialization. I'm not really solving problems, I suppose, for expensive problems for clients. Um, so with that, um, I was working in a, a co-working space and I was just having a, a cup of coffee with uh, a chap who um, owns a, a recruitment agency. Um, whilst we were just chatting over a coffee, he was telling me that he was having a, a real issue um attracting um passive candidates so candidates that weren't quite looking for a job it was more of a um just kind of prior to them uh, starting to look for a job um it seemed like an interesting um problem he was having and something that kind of poked my interest um i went away and had a little think about it mm -hmm. um asked him a few more questions just to find out um you know a a bit more about the problem at this stage i thought it'd be really good if i could just uh, speak to a few more uh, recruitment agencies or recruitment agency owners to find out if this was a common problem if this was something that was specific to him um, and whether it's something specific to maybe his industry that he was specializing in mm -hmm. um so, so let me let me jump right in there and rudely no interrupt you, Robert. So, uh, I'm sorry for stealing momentum from your story, but it's there's okay. already so many things I want to ask about. <laughs> sure, please go ahead. So, um, so you you've talked about how you saw the the sort of decline in a platform that you were specialized in, Expression Engine. Mm -hmm. What? Um, Let's dig into that a little bit. I, I imagine there's it's not just a simple thing, but why was the platform uh, declining in popularity. Sure. So um, there was a uh, one of the add-on developers, um, a company called Pixel and Tonic. Um, they decided to release their own concept management system called Craft CMS. Right. Um, it essentially fixed all the issues that Expression Engine had. Um, so they they came up with a superior product, um, which meant all the uh, all the developers moved away from Expression Engine. Interesting. Or okay. A lot of them. Yeah. Um, where I got most of my business from was um, companies who've already, uh, large companies who've already had their business uh, business website built on Expression Engine mm -hmm. and were looking to move away from their developer. Um, so, ironically, 
the decline in the developers moving from Expression Engine to Craft initially created a, a bubble right. uh, for me because a lot of websites were being abandoned and it was good pickings I could could take and leave yeah. what sites I wanted to. I see. Of course, over time, that's that's declined. Um, and I too also made the jump to using Craft CMS as well. What sort of time frame did you see in this decline? Like, uh, just in maybe in terms of years, how many years uh, did you see it coming before it really started to affect your business? I would say a good two years. I had a, a okay. solid base of clients behind me. Um, so a, a slight decline wasn't a huge problem. Um, but over time, inquiries became less and less. I, I mean, we're talking about I used to get uh, maybe three inquiries a week um, for Expression Engine development. Um, now it, it's probably down to about three a month. Okay. okay. If that. Yeah. That's... Um... That's that's a story that gets repeated with a lot of platforms. It's not unique mm. to Expression Engine. So that's why you said, well, you know, Craft uh, kind of stole Expression Engine's momentum, but let's not repeat this whole process again, right? Sure, yeah. yeah. Okay. So you're talking to this, uh, this recruiter or this recruitment agent, somebody who works for a recruiting firm, how um, did you like purposely set that conversation up or it just was more like a chance meeting at your co-working space? That was an absolute chance meeting. Um, it, it was just one of these, uh, we were having a cup of coffee. I asked how his day was going. Um, and uh, as you do, you ask, how's business? Um, and rather than the the general, yep, yeah, everything's fine, um, he went into more detail. Um, and we ended up sitting over a cup of coffee, and really discussing in detail this this issue is having um with attracting uh, passive candidates. Can you break that down a little more? Um, because I'm, I'm imagining how this must have gone and imagining that he did not just right away say what the real problem was or what was keeping him up at night, or, or perhaps did he? How did it go? No, I think I was uh, in a stage, uh, I'd uh, come across the, the five whys, so kind of really digging into, uh, you know, when someone asks something, why, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I think I was uh, trying to practice um, some of the skills that I learned by applying it to everyday conversations. Nice. Um, so um, uh, I was chatting to him. Uh, you know, he said that um, he's got more um, more jobs than he has candidates. He's got more clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, kind of why is that? Um, and I think he broke into the initial um, topic of uh, we, we were going through. Um, uh, so uh, in, in terms of politics, um, the uh, England had just decided to leave the EU okay. at that point. Um, so there was a, a little bit of uh, kind of friction in the air, and he said maybe it's due to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we discussed it more, um, and, and then he, he kind of really pinpointed down into the fact that um, active candidates are, are only a very small piece of the pie. Um, active candidates would be someone who's – actively searching for a job and they'll probably go onto job boards and apply for um, five, six, seven different jobs. Um, and by that point, there's so much competition that you can't really get in there. He, he was saying that if you get a passive candidate, someone who's in, in their job life cycle was just about to turn into an active candidate, um, at that point, it's best because then they normally go to a recruitment agency and we'll stick with that recruitment agency to find them a job. 
Interesting. Okay. So to explain for folks in the audience who maybe have not heard this idea of the five whys, but can you can you kind of just briefly describe the idea? Sure. Yeah. Um, I like to think of it as being uh, a five-year-old kid again. Um, so when someone uh, says, um, I'm just trying to think of an example now, but we use the recruitment agencies uh, saying, um, I, I can't, uh, you know, we're, we're struggling to find candidates for jobs. And you say, well, why is that? And then they'll come up with another answer, which again, you're kind of, if you think of it like an onion, you scraped off the, the top layer, you're onto the layer underneath and they, they'll tell you another reason. And you'll ask, but why is that? Right. And if you, <laughs> the theory is, if you ask it five times, by the time you get to the fifth, you've kind of got down to the, the, the real crux of the problem. Um, you sound a bit silly if you go, why, why, why? So you, you kind of dress the, the question up in, in different manners, but it, it helps you just get to the bottom of the, the question. Was that a, uh, a suitable kind of answer? Beautiful, I think. Okay. Yeah, and you're right that if you think about it, out of the context of an actual conversation, you think, I'm going to sound like an idiot, um, you know, like just continuing to ask the same question. But you're, you're right that in the actual conversation, you will sort of modify the question slightly. You know, the question is one word, why? <laughs> but you're going to say yeah. things like, well, why is that? Or why do you think that is? Or wait, can you explain more about why that happened. So you'll say it in different ways and it will have a, a sort of natural quality to it. I'm so impressed, Robert, that you were practicing this just in daily life because um, it sounds like this, this wasn't just practice. It turned into more than that. Sure. Yeah. So by digging into that, I, I found a, maybe a root cause of the problem um, or, or what he was really struggling with. Right. Um, which also triggered within me some uh, an interest. Um, and I, I thought, well, actually, that's something I'd like to try and, and solve. Um, I thought it'd be fun, maybe. It's, it's something that kind of um, uh, got, you know, got me thinking. Um, would, you, would you describe the problem as a purely technical problem, or were, the, were there more, uh, was it more complex than that? And I'm not insulting <laughs> purely technical problems. Sometimes they can be very complex, but... The most complex problems are not just technical. They involve human elements or relationships or what have you. So what did the problem look like as you understood it from this conversation with this one guy? Sure. Um, to be honest, none of it was uh, technical um, so much. Um, it was um, about getting to these candidates at the right right time. Okay. Um, so in, in fact, take the technology away. It just so happens that that's my vehicle of choice um, or my tool of choice. Um, it is a personal problem really. And it's, it's just about finding these candidates at the right time. Interesting. Okay. Okay. And, and that was interesting to you. Uh, why? Um, around that time, I've been doing a lot of uh, research into different marketing methods to, to kind of help me with my business. Um, a lot of things like Facebook advertising, um, but retargeting as well, um, mm -hmm. and, and using audiences. Um, so I could use some of this um, of what I've learned yeah. uh, in my own kind of journey to, to market my the business at that time of, of kind of expression engine development. Mm -hmm. 
and how I could end up using that um, as part of a solution to, to someone else's problem. Got it. Okay. Very cool. So here we are, you've had this conversation, you've, you've handled it beautifully, it sounds like, and you see a problem that is something we might call an expensive problem, right? At least for this guy. Uh, how, how did you know it was a painful problem for him? Um, so I think I ended up having just a, um, a couple more conversations with a few other um, recruiters who were in this co-working space. Okay. Uh, um, and they, they too said, almost echoed exactly what he said, um, just regarding kind of finding passive candidates. There just wasn't enough candidates really for any of the roles. Um, I found out how they were currently going about finding candidates and it was very much um i suppose if you look at it for marketing it was very much outbound as opposed to concentrating on a, an inbound uh methodology mm. how exactly did you make those conversations happen with these other recruiters so the the really nice thing about a co-working space is you kind of see these people every single day yes. um you walk past them um you'll have a cup of cup of coffee so a lot of the, a lot of this happened around uh the coffee machine that's great okay so like even more specifically you see this person you know what they do roughly and you say what could i ask you a few questions like what kind what exactly would you say sure. to be honest um it, it would start off very much as a uh, how's your day going uh -huh. um, because it is on that friendly level. You already know them on a, a name basis um, and they'll sit down, they'll tell you what's going on with the day and then they'll start saying, oh, I've had this trouble with this client or um, you know, I've had a candidate and they've just dropped out. Um, and, and then you, you just generally, it kind of flows into a conversation of saying, you know, hey, um, you know, how are you finding the market at the moment? Um, do you have enough candidates to, to, to fill the roles that you're getting at the moment. Beautiful. At any time, does someone look at you like, um, how rude that you would ask that? Or, you know, how, how nosy? How could you? <laughs> ne never. Um, it's a conversation that they love to have. Um, and I, I think they love it even more because there's an outsider who's genuinely interested in what they have to say. Um, I would say it's the, the opposite. No one's saying how rude. Everyone is thinking, oh, this guy's taking a genuine interest in me. Um, and uh, yeah, I, th I think it has the, the opposite effect. That's okay. Incredible. Thank you. Thanks for suffering through all my nosy questions. No, no, that's absolutely fine. This, this stuff is for a lot of people, um, strange and exotic stuff. It's, it's intimidating the idea of speaking to strangers, asking them very specific questions about their business, some of which... Uh, relate to, you know, business pain or emotional pain. So um, you, you're really doing folks a service here by describing exactly how this works. So you've had how many of these uh, additional conversations would you say you had with other recruitment agents? So there, there was two other recruitment agents okay. in the co-working space. So just those. Um, at that point, I felt it would be quite prudent to actually speak to a wider number. Okay. Um, so just uh, I, I gathered a list of uh, kind of recruitment agencies across the uh, across the UK. Um, I gave a, a, a list of about 50, I think. Okay. Um, and uh, I, I basically sent emails out to all of them um, just asking if they would be interested in having a research call with me. 
Okay. So was was that basically it? Uh, like, can you give a little more detail on what the emails look like? Sure. Yeah. Um, so based on the very, very rudimentary uh, kind of knowledge that I'd gained from speaking to the, the recruiters um, within the co-working space, um, I just drafted a, a quick email together um, or a series of emails. And the first one just said um, something along the lines of, hey, are you having trouble um, uh, kind of attracting passive candidates? Um, and then kind of left it quite plain. Um, and then a follow-up email went out saying, um, I'm doing some research on how recruitment agencies are currently targeting uh, passive candidates and would love to speak to you as um, uh, an MD of um, a leading uh, recruitment agency. Um, and then if I haven't heard a response, I was using an automated system, um, then it would send a follow-up email just to check, hey, um, w- would you like to, to chat about it? Okay. Um, so it, it was very, very simple emails. There was no no kind of magic to it. Right. It sounds like, though, you had a little bit of um, or enough insight into the market so that you knew some of the terminology like passive versus active candidates that might sure. uh, not make any sense to an outsider, but you had started to understand how they speak. So sure. what, what kind of response did you get to these emails? Well, one of the fascinating things about recruitment uh, anyone in recruitment is, you know, they're, they're people, uh, people, um, they, they love to, to have a chat with people. And in fact, um, I, I can learn a lot from them. Um, myself, I'm quite introverted. Mm. Um, and I think generally recruiters are actually quite extroverted, but they're, they're great. Their people skills are, are fantastic and, and something we can all learn from. Um, a lot of them wanted to pick up the phone and, and actually have a chat with me. So um, I had a link on the emails just to schedule a call via Calendly. Okay. Um, and uh, I think in kind of straight off the bat, I had uh, about 10, 10 recruiters who um, wanted to have a chat with me. Wow. That's great. Um, so uh, we, we got those calls scheduled in. Um, I had those phone calls Um where basically the, it's a learning process each each call. Um, that the first one, you, you find out a little bit more information about what kind of struggles they're going through about passive candidates. Mm-hmm. Um, you learn some more terminology. Um, and then you, you walk away from the call, you do your next call, and you've learned a little bit from the, the, the previous person. So you use a bit more um, of the, the kind of vocabulary. By the time you've you finished your 10th call, you kind of, look back at your first few calls and wish you knew what you knew then. So you could ask even more pertinent questions. So, right. Um, right. Um, yeah. So, um, I think it was, it was kind of at this stage, um, I identified that actually this was, um, a problem that all of these, um, all of these, uh, sorry, all of these, uh, recruitment agencies suffered from, mm-hmm. um, and I, I was very interested to see, yep, I'm, I, I want to build um, a, a kind of proof concept around it, which I was working on with the, uh, the um, chap that I was speaking to in the co-working space, mm-hmm. um, just to, to do some kind of research and, and development, really. Okay. So about maybe close to 15 conversations total. And... How quickly did you start to see this pattern of 
wow, yeah, they all seem to have the same problem or, uh, you know, a, a lot of them have this a similar problem? Um, almost immediately. I think the, okay. the first call, um, the person was like, well, yeah, it's a massive problem. Um, and yeah, uh, everyone I spoke to, you know, again, agreed it's a big problem for them. Mm. Okay. So pretty quickly. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. This is, this looks to me thus far like a, uh, picture perfect market research, uh, project. You got about a 20% response rate, which is very, very good on, you know, cold email outreach. That's exceptionally good. And, um, and, and very quickly you see this pattern that looks to you like an expensive problem. So what do you do next? You, you had mentioned maybe, uh, some sort of prototype or proof of concept. Sure. So I started working alongside, um, the, the, the chap that um, was in the co-working space mm-hmm. on, you know, actually applying my idea. Um, so we were still fairly early stages with it. Um, I had this kind of niggling feeling that obviously recruitment agencies, they, they come with quite a bad rap. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of stigma that associated with them. Right. Um, and I, I almost felt, you know, I wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, but I, I did find that, uh, you know, out and out there, they're very good salespeople. Like I said, they're, they're extroverts. They, uh, and again, this is generalizing. There's some real inspiring people out there. There's a lot of, uh, you know, they think about different theories about, um, uh, kind of how to target, um, and, and how to work with different personality types. Mm. Um, I, I was kind of getting eaten alive, I suppose, on, on some of those calls. What, what, do, you, what um, do you mean by that? <laughs> so um, <clears throat> I think um, it was an expensive problem. And the, because it was an expensive pro- problem, uh, they were saying, well, you know, what are you trying to sell me? Sell me something, you know, come and solve this problem for me. Mm. Um, but quite aggressively. And, and uh, um, it, it was something that put me in a very uncomfortable uh, made me feel very uncomfortable. And uh, as an introvert, you know, this was really pushing the boundaries of, of what I was, um, uh, you know, what I was uh, comfortable with. Okay. Interesting. Um, so I, I think at that stage, you know, I, I was looking at, well, how can I possibly minimize my, my interaction with, um, with the actual recruitment agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the ideas I, I came across was, you know, if I were to try and develop it into a, a productized service, um, it would have very, very low touch. Um, so I, I possibly could avoid any of the calls okay. with, um, with, with the recruitment agencies. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but I, I think maybe you might agree with me that the only way to, I suppose, uh, kind of build within a, a market vertical um, would be to have more conversations and, and really get to, you know, know your, your end clients. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to imagine that um, myself in this same situation. And I know for me, there would be that feeling of the su- the sunk cost of the research would start to influence my thinking uh, I mean, I would I would want it to not, but it would anyway. <laughs> and I would say, okay, yeah, I, I can see this this you know this market has a problem. It's a painful problem. Um, when I talk to people, they they like demand a solution. <laughs> it's good. That's my interpretation of what you said sure, uh, sure. about their those sales calls. So, a lot of the prerequisites are there 
for this to be a good opportunity. But personally, maybe interacting with these people is not very enjoyable for me. In fact, maybe I, you know, I resist it. I don't want to do it. So I would try to protect the sunk cost. And I'm not sure, I'm not saying that's why you did that, but I would also, just like you, I think, be looking for some opportunity to make it work in a different way. And that sounds like that's what you were trying to do. That's 100% what I was trying to do. It was, how can I hold on to all this, this data that I've gathered, but also take myself out of that situation. It was one that I didn't feel comfortable in. As you say, um, you spend a lot of time at work. You need to enjoy it. So it was something that I really wanted to to take myself out of. And I, I think that overwhelming feeling for me um, was probably the, the final decider that actually this, this market vertical wasn't right for me. Um, I'm not saying recruiters are, are, are bad or anything like that. In fact, I think the, the stigma that follows them is, is actually quite unjust. Mm. Um, there really is some, some kind of um, inspiring um, recruiters out there. Um, some are a bit more bullish, but, um, you know, overall, I think, you know, they are a, a great bunch. Um, it, it was a, um, I, I would like to say it's a bit more methodical, but at that point, um, I was saying, I was thinking, well, I'm trying to shoehorn a productized service into something where it doesn't really belong. Right. Um, and, um, there became a, I suppose, an opportunity that just, just fell on my lap really. Um, I was working with a, uh, domiciliary care agency. I've built their website. I've been managing it for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and they wanted to make some, some more requests on their website. Um, and again, outcomes are the five whys. It's probably the most powerful, uh, kind of tool in the, in the toolkit for me. Um, you know, and, let, let me let me jump in right there. I, I apologize for interrupting, but sure, no uh, Blair Ends recently said something very similar that your ability to have a conversation with a prospective client might be the most powerful business tool there is. It's almost exactly what you're saying. Um, the ability to have a conversation where you're asking these questions that in another context might be considered intrusive, but you're asking them in a way where they're happy to answer them. Like that is, I think a superpower because it gives you this insight that you can use to find ways to create more value. So I just want to add to what you said and say, I I think that is a tremendously powerful tool. So you were, you, you, you uh, maybe have now built the habit (laughs) of asking the five whys and you're doing this with, this uh, in the in the uh, states here it would be the like the home care industry or um, sure the, the so, other work. anyway go ahead please uh, so so the home care industry is um, is what someone uh, a service user uh, as it were someone uh, from the outside would describe as domiciliary care mm-hmm. is an inside of the term that they they would um, use to to describe got it um, their services. Um, so I was having a chat with him and, you know, why do you want to make this change? And kind of, you know, oh, because, um, I want to make the page more appealing and, you know, who are you trying to make this page more appealing to? Oh, to, to potential care assistants. And why is that important? Uh, and, you know, we got down to the bottom of it and his, his business was suffering because, um, he had more work or 
service users, more more clients um, than or people needing help uh, than he did carers. And as a result, um, the the care would suffer a little bit just because mm-hmm. um, a carer couldn't spend as long with a uh, with a, a, a person. Um, likewise, he would have to say no, and he had a waiting list of, of people needing care. Right. Um, so I said to him, you know, this is this is interesting. I I told him all about the uh, the work that I'd been doing with uh, recruitment agencies, right? Um, and and this product that I was in early testing stages with with um, uh, the the recruitment agency, which I was kind of um, I suppose abandoning, right? Um, and I said, well, I'd written a white paper about it, and said, would you like to? like to have a little read of this and and he read through it and he came running back and said i think this is fantastic the the early stages of this kind of recruitment funnel that you've you've designed is is exactly what i need would you mind if you know can i pay you to to implement this on on uh on my side aren't those the most beautiful words you've ever heard can i please <laughs> can i please pay you to do this thing that you invented uh for for me it's it's so wonderful Sure. Um, so, well, yeah, sure. Let's uh, let's give it a go. And I, you know, I explained to him, look, this is on untested waters. Um, and he goes, you know, I'm willing just to, you know, give this one a go. Okay. No problems. Um, so we we set up a very very basic um, funnel for him, uh, a kind of recruitment funnel. Um, I thought about um, you know what carousers, and this is quite untested. I hadn't, you know, I hadn't interviewed any i wanted to interview some some care assistants but mm-hmm. didn't really have any to to talk to mm-hmm. to find about what their needs are um and we built this funnel um and um i get an email just our, so we launched it i get an email um from him about 40 minutes after launching it saying are these test um applications coming through and I was like, well, no, they're not test applications. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we had a look, and, uh, you know, it, it, they'd already started filtering down this this recruitment funnel, um, and it was sort of like, wow, we're, we're actually onto something here. Wow, very cool. Um, so, I mean, that was was exciting. Um, and, uh, you know, since then, I've um, I've done more, um, more conversations with him, um, you know, to find out the extent of the problem, to find out terminology that, that people use. I, um, I then said, right, okay, well, is this a problem specifically for him? Is he the only one? Um, is this a, an area thing? Um, is, is this what's causing the issues, a locational thing? Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of went back round to the original idea um, when I went, spoke to uh, lots of um, recruitment agencies and mm-hmm. I, I devised a similar email uh, thread um, and sent them out to recruitment, uh, sorry, to um, to the domiciliary care agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's interesting to note that um, the response rate was lower. Okay. Um, now, I don't think it's because the problem was any less painful to them just the the personality types um i think there was more hesitance towards was i trying to sell them something mm-hmm. um they weren't as extroverted in fact I, I to be honest i think their their personality types are more in line with my own right i i could see that yeah it seems that this type of work might just attract people who are a little less extroverted by nature 
Sure. Um, to be honest, they go into the work because an element of them is is kind of a, a caring side, I suppose. So yeah. Um, yeah. it's it's kind of fascinating. Um, so I got less responses. The, the response rate wasn't as high. A lot of people wanted to do stuff on email. Um, and the problem with email is you can't can't really do the five whys effectively. Right, exactly. Um, so I, I did a few um, – emails are great because I got a lot of terminology, um, which I've I created a spreadsheet of mm-hmm. vocabulary that they use, mm. um, which that's fantastic. Um, but, again, I got a few, uh, few calls in um, and chatted it through with them. And, yes, you know, there's another expensive problem that all of them can't get enough care assistance. Um, so it, again, it was something that I, I started doing more research into. Um, and this time I've, you know, I've built prototypes and I've done a lot of, um, kind of surveys, um, around that. So I've gathered up my own data. Mm-hmm. So now I've got this kind of arsenal of, um, data, which I can say, um, you know, um, you know, for example, I can work out roughly how many people in, in an area are searching for care assistance jobs um it's all locational so say you're within um you know a certain county let's say surrey i can say right at the moment uh, each month there's six thousand blah 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 people looking for a care assistant job here mm-hmm. um so i've got a lot of data to start backing up um some of my um what you know what i'm talking about right <clears throat> okay so um Wow. Okay. I, I'm just so impressed at how well you've done this research. Um, tell me a little bit about the white paper. That seemed like that played an important role in getting this first client in, in the vertical. Sure. Um, so the the white paper, um, do you remember, um, I think it was maybe a year, year and a half ago, you released a, an email about market penetration tests. Yes. That was the the process that I actually used um, in as much as um, I wrote a white paper um, surrounding um, it, it was kind of um, attracting passive candidates, essentially mm-hmm. using inbound marketing and essentially just documented all of the, the kind of research that I was doing at the time mm-hmm. um, and how to build up um, a, a kind of passive candidate recruitment funnel. <clears throat> um, and, I use that as part of the market penetration test to send out to people to see how many people would sign up for um, to to download this um, this mm-hmm. white paper, which yeah. coincidentally was very high. <clears throat> so that was used more to to validate the positioning um, of the the, the kind of. Um, recruitment agency side of things and it was just a, a kind of offshoot that just so happened i was speaking to someone in the domiciliary care industry and yeah. said, well hey do you fancy giving this a read that's great so um things this looks you know pretty promising for a vertical focus for you like what's what's next are you um now marketing to this vertical or you know, what, what do things look like now at this point in the story? Right. So at this point in the story, it's um, hopefully it's an exciting stage. Um, I've done uh, my initial research. I've, I've validated there is a problem. Um, 
I was uh, initially experimenting with a, a slightly different um, uh, approach at the end of tail end of last year of actually building a job board out um, and then marketing the job board, um, which was again, a fantastic thing because I got a lot of people signing up to it. Um, and then I also got a good chance to try different marketing techniques um, to, to attract care assistance into the job board. But I've kind of sidestepped from that to go back into concentrating on the, the actual consultancy mm-hmm. side of this, um, because I think that's where I can make more of a difference. Um, so I've built a website, um, just a, a simple one-page website um, to target care assistance. So the very next step for me to do um, is to um, start targeting um, some care agencies and just sending out emails um, to see if I can can get some some more people to sign up. That's wonderful. Sounds like we need to speak again in about six months and yep. get the next chapter of this story. Um, so, like looking back over the research, it, it just all looks so perfect to me. But from your perspective, is there something you might have done differently to? Um, you know, with the benefit of hindsight now? Um, I I think that um, it's all a learning process. And if anything, picking the wrong uh, market vertical in the first place was, was very beneficial to me because it almost allowed me to practice a lot of things in an environment where, uh, and it was a good environment because everyone was very willing to chat. Yeah. and, and everyone was very open. It, it was very, very helpful for me to do that. And whilst I suppose some people look back and say, well, you know, if you'd gone straight in with the, the care agencies, um, I, I, I don't, you know, obviously maybe I'll be, you know, a year ahead of myself. Um, I, I think uh, overall, no, I'm quite happy with the way it's done. It certainly wasn't as smooth as, as perhaps it sounds. Um, it was quite fortuitous. For example, the the care agency had that specific problem at that time uh, and contacted me. Right. <clears throat> um, it wasn't something that, yeah, um, it is something that kind of fell on my lap, really. But I think that's that's very similar to how it is for most people. In that, there's all this opportunity out in the world, but we we have access to a subset of that opportunity for whatever reason. You know it. It might be because of location, um, or it might be because of relationships we do or don't have. So, you know, we're kind of working with with whatever we have ready access to or we can build access to. And, and so this is actually exactly the situation we're all in, is we sort of look at the options we have and I think pick the one that's the best match and, and go with it. And over time, grow from there. But... Anyway, it's it's just a, it's very a similar situation to what a lot of people face. Um, well, again, Robert, I'm so impressed with how you've approached this research, and um, you know, I'm curious. Aside from helping you identify opportunity, has it helped you in the sales process? I know I'm asking a bit of a. I don't mean to ask a leading question there. I guess I should say, you know, how has it helped in other ways? Sales, sure. marketing, anything else? Um, I, I suppose all of those areas from a, j- just a sales point of view, um, I think I like uh, most most kind of uh, developers or people within the tech industry, we're great at our jobs, um, but sales is, is not something we're 
we're naturally <clears throat> naturally um, comfortable with. Right. Um, and it's certainly helped me this kind of process um, uh, be able to speak to people and ask and get more confident about asking those why questions because it does feel very unnatural at first when you say, but why? Because you almost feel like I should know the answer to that. Um, I think a lot of people are worried about asking the why in case it makes themselves look foolish. Right. Um, so I, I suppose that's that's helped in a certain way um, to conquer those kind of fears and realize that actually people are more interested <clears throat> rather than thinking you're rude or you're foolish. Um, so that's helped. In terms of marketing, um, so what I've done with this, uh, it, you know, it's allowed me to to get the vocabulary that um, care agencies use. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can write very, very uh, specific marketing messages to them that they'll instantly be able to relate to. Mm-hmm. Robert, thank you so much for sharing in such detail how you've approached this. It's it's so informative to have you lay it out this way. Um, so thank you for that. How could folks see what you're up to or get in contact or do anything that you would like them to do as a next step? Sure. Um, so if they want to sort of have a look at the, um, the the ongoing work, this is very much a work in progress. Um, they can check out uh, my website, which is careassistantmarketing.co.uk. And... Um, if they would like to uh, send me an email, they're welcome to at rob at careassistantmarketing.co.uk. That's it for my conversation with Robert Games. Hey, if you know someone who is maybe facing a similar situation where they'd like to do some market research, they want to specialize in a market vertical, they want to do that research to gain insight into the vertical, and they're not really sure how, maybe you know somebody who's facing that. If so, do them a favor. Reach down to your podcast player app, hit the share button, and share this episode directly with them. I think they'll appreciate it, and of course, I really appreciate it as well.